Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. Personal development coach Tony Robbins says that the two human needs that bring us the most joy are contribution and growth. If you'd like to grow in your purpose with us and have something you can contribute to people of purpose, I am welcoming volunteers. If you have a skill, an idea, or a resource to bring to the project, please, please let me know. Send me an email at peopleofpurposepodcast at gmail.com or a direct message through our Facebook or Instagram pages at People of Purpose Podcast, and we'll get in touch. As I continually move into a greater pursuit of my purpose, teaching underserved students in San Francisco, and pursuing a master's degree in education, I can use all the help I can get. If you're good with social media, audio editing, outreach communications, videography, or more, please tell me. And if you know and would like to suggest a person of purpose, please do. Finally, as we grow, I'm looking for your ideas for upcoming products and services that we could incorporate alongside the podcast to help people experience a greater sense of purpose. Please don't be shy. Let me know. Hey guys, this is your People of Purpose podcast host, Tanner Badgley. Do you want to get a short email from me? Would you find value in receiving a very short email every other weekend that personalizes your path of purpose? The POP newsletter, because People of Purpose, is a very short email where I share with you the most interesting things I've recently discovered, have been thinking about, or implementing into my life each week to more personally and purposefully pursue my purpose. It will include a short update on how my podcast is helping me grow into my purpose. A quote that's been on my mind from a purposeful resource such as a podcast, book, video, or mentor. As well as a nugget of advice from my experience on how to better align and optimize your life for your purpose. And finally, I'll try to share inspiration with you on how one of our listeners is benefiting from people of purpose. So please take a small step of action right now by sending a quick email to peopleofpurposepodcast at gmail.com. You don't even need to write a message, just include in the subject header, People of Purpose Newsletter, and you'll receive the very next one. And if you're learning something, you should be sharing that with others. If you're not 100%, then how can you give 100% to someone else? We are not the superheroes. We're all trying to learn how to be humans. So that is that at the end of the day, maybe that's what we're teaching because there is hope. You always want it to be a straight line. You're ready immediately to fix something, but unfortunately you have to go through that process, whatever it is. And I don't know that I would want to do it again, but I know that going through it that way, it was going to work. Barbara Straginga and Robin Sizemore fulfill their purposes, training children to be mindful superheroes. If you walked into their classroom, you'd find elementary school kids leading each other into meditation and helping each other stay calm in times of need. These are not your ordinary heroes, these are superheroes. Barbara and Robin, rather Batman and Robin, have been helping kids cultivate these skills through their superhero training and supply program at their elementary school in Hammond, Indiana. What started out with helping one kindergarten student is now a program that impacts the whole school, staff, and parents included. They're each passionate about the power of yoga, meditation, and writing to contribute to the growth of themselves and their love for their families. I first met Barb and Ryan through my podcasting mentor, Nick Zolfo. He's the guy who interviewed me about my Vipassana meditation course for his podcast, Catching Z's, The Millennial's Guide to Mindfulness, which I talked about on the recent episode, Podcast of Purpose. When I was first creating my podcast, I listened to Catching Z's episode with these two women, and I found that their sense of purpose was so astounding that I asked Nick if he could introduce us. He did, and this episode was born via a Skype interview between Indiana and Thailand. I loved our interview. It's such an encapsulation of things I'm very interested in myself. Yoga, meditation, and education. 
Barb and Robin's personal stories of how they turned trauma and suffering into so much inspiration and hope for these young students in need is very empowering. And I love how they've gone into schools to teach what I think are some of the most important life skills you can learn. Self-control, mental mastery, inner peace, loving kindness, gratitude, creativity, optimism, excellence, you name it. The work Robin and Barb do with Superhero Supply is so inspiring that I'm taking the initial steps to, to set up an after-school program of my own at my new school next year in San Francisco. I hope you receive an ounce of the inspiration I've gotten from these wonderful women of purpose. And stay tuned to the end for a loving-kindness meditation led by one of their 5th grade students. Please enjoy today's People of Purpose, Barb Staginga and Robin Sizemore. Hello, Robin and Barb. Hi, Tanner. Nice to see you guys. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm here in Thailand, and I feel very inspired by what I'm doing here, and I'm really excited to blend that with kind of what you guys are doing in your story. I think that uh, there's a lot of alignment, and I'm ready to ready to get at it. You guys seem like you're doing something very unique and purposeful, going into schools, sometimes the hardest to reach students, and you're directing them towards calm, inner peace creativity as an outlet I really see a lot of value in that I'm wondering like what role does purpose play in your motivation to do this work well purpose for me came kind of organically when my daughter got sick before that I this really didn't enter on my radar I wasn't a yoga person I didn't know what mindfulness was I'd never meditated in the summer of 2014 my daughter said that she was feeling suicidal and she just couldn't cope anymore she'd been dealing with anxiety for about four months as it often does, it moved into depression. It became my purpose to help her. So I would say it became my purpose because of her illness. How about you? How about you, Barb? So I guess I was kind of going through life like a lot of people are, you know, just the next thing you're supposed to do and checking things off. And kind of like similar to what Robin's saying, it sometimes it takes those kind of like a slap in the face from the universe for you to kind of like get your act together. Uh, and I think trying to pull myself together and reaching out to people for a little guidance with that, people were in turn saying to me, you know, that that's kind of inspiring what you've been through, what you're doing, how you're handling it. And that that sort of became my purpose. I figure there's really like the purpose of suffering maybe is learning. And if you're learning something, you should be sharing that with others. So I saw the impact that was having on my own children. And being a teacher, uh, I knew that a thing that's bothering a lot of children, the stress, the anxiety, some of those um, things that kids go through that teachers or adults sometimes don't see. They don't see the struggle that's happening and wanting to be able to give kids tools to deal with those struggles rather than letting them suffer as well. Wow, that's amazing. Just going back a little bit more into your personal lives, how did you come across mindfulness and meditation? And how did you realize that, that you had to look within to find that peaceful, happy place in order to help others outside? Mine came through a podcast. I had actually first read a book, 10% Happier by Dan Harris, and loved the way he spoke just kind of naturally, like you're talking to a friend and your friend's like, well, I tried this stuff. I really didn't believe in it, but it actually works kind of thing. So at the end of his book, he mentioned he had a podcast, so I checked it out. Um, and I started at number one, and I believe it was number 16 that was Ali Smith at the Holistic Life Foundation. Happened to be the first weekend we were off school that school year, and he was talking about kids in Baltimore dealing with stress, anxiety, depression, anger based on the neighborhoods they lived in, the drugs that people were doing, and just their the whole life around them and what that was doing to the kids. And it just really just smacked me in the face that this was what my daughter needed. And it was something that would be useful at school. So that summer I looked him up on online and emailed him and found a training that he was doing in New York. And I went to the Omega Center in New York in Rhinebeck and spent a week just learning about youth yoga and working with urban kids, helping them breathe and learning all these fun techniques. And uh, just came back to school and put it online that I was doing this and I really wanted to push it forward and anybody that was interested could join and that's Barb joined after seeing that Facebook post. Wow, so that's how you met each other? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we had we had mutual friends. We both work in the same school district, um, but at different schools. The district is rather large. So we knew of each other 
and we had mutual friends, but that it was that that really brought us together. Yeah. And so how did the, did the training influence what you've done together? Oh my goodness. Um, (laughs) well, if you've listened to Ali and you've spent any time, you know, in the vicinity of those three guys, they just exude so much love, kindness. They want to help everybody and they're just really open people and learning how they worked with kids. And they also gave us the science behind it. You know, we had a Harvard scientist come to the class and talk about yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and what it does to your body and your brain. And it was the whole package, really. And it it was a pretty easy thing to bring it to school. And it didn't take long to run into kids that had a panic attack or were angry, which is sad to say. But even in an elementary school, that's pretty much a daily thing. So it was an easy place to try the things out and kids really latched onto it. Wow. So yeah, what are, I just told you a little bit before that I'm thinking about getting started with this. I'm feeling pretty, not confident is not the right word because I'm definitely nervous about it, but I feel sure that that this would be a great thing for, for me to do for myself and for others. So what are a couple of tips you have in, in how to handle this specific type of student, one that has had a history of trauma? and panic and stress-related outbursts or reactivity? What are a couple of of strategies or techniques that you find like work 100% of the time? I think um, it's important to let the students know right away that you understand what they're going through and that you're on their side. You're not there to scold them or they're not in trouble because of what's going on, that you really have the intention of helping them. That seems to go a long way. I think a lot of our students don't feel like anybody understands what they're going through when they're having a panic attack or when they're so overcome with anxiety that all they can do is cry. And if you can get down on their level emotionally and let them know, you know, I've I've been in a similar situation and this is what has helped me. Do you want to try this with me? And let's see how it helps. Uh, And I think it was one of the guys from Holistic Life Foundation that talks about, I think it was Andy that talked about working with a student and they were very anxiety ridden about to be in, in a fight. And he talked about them putting their hand on their heart and feeling how fast their heart was beating and then doing some breath work with them and then having them feel their heart again and realize they had lowered their heart rate and they were starting to calm down. And when they can see that they have control of that, they have control of how hard their heart is beating, how fast they're breathing, and that in turn gives them control of their emotions, it's very empowering for them. And it's easy to get them excited about that um, and maybe excited is not the right word but in tune with that I think yeah that makes a lot of sense I think that also speaks to me a lot about meditation too is that you have this tool with you you carry every everywhere your heartbeat your breath your mind and if you redirect it and orient it towards its natural like centered peaceful state then then you have a lot of power over over your mind over your actions and I think it starts to spill over to others like that's the piece that's missing is I, I think a lot of people, a lot of us don't understand that we do have that control. We do have control over what's going on in our heads and what's going on in our bodies. And too many times we just let things happen to us rather than taking control of what's happening, including our thought process. So how has training these children into into thinking like that, how has that influenced your life outside of the practice itself of meditation? How have you become more mindful and more thoughtful about your actions outside of training? You have to walk the walk. I think that's part of it. And they, because kids see right through that. If you're not actually actively living the life you're telling them to live, they'll see through you in a second. So I think just being immersed in that helps. You know? I think I think through things a lot more than I used to. I used to react more to things. I, I'm doing meditations every night, sometimes a couple times a night. I'm finding it's just slowing me down, my thinking down, slowing my breathing down. And I'm actually, I'm going to a college too and teaching the, the kids to do this before they take a test. And they're teaching me a lot about what they're dealing with and how even those 10 minutes that we work together is really helping them. And it's just motivating when you see it working with somebody else. It's obviously going to work with you if you just take the time and pull the oxygen mask on yourself and take care of yourself. So it's just that slowing down and remembering to do it. And from the Holistic Life Foundation has been very supportive in that with us to tell us to take care of ourselves and Mm -hmm. make sure that since we're helping other people, we need to make sure that we're really taking care of ourselves when we have, you know, 
on a daily basis. So have you always been taking care of yourself or when did you start to, to turn around and take care of yourself? So I, I pretty much lost my mind when my daughter said she wanted to kill herself. And it was probably the worst two years of my life. And it was just, I w- my moods were reactive based on how she was feeling. And her moods were a roller coaster. She'd be up one day, down the next, and I'd follow her because I, you know, just felt for her. So learning all these things has helped me to remember she might be down today, but she's going to be up soon and it's going to be okay. She's going to be okay. And in turn, she knows that now too. And sometimes she'll wake up in the morning and tell me this is a down day. I feel the wave over me already, but I know tomorrow will be better. Just give me a little time and I'll feel fine. And it's, she's really grown a lot in the four years since this started. Yeah. It's definitely been a learning process for all of us. Right. And I think for me, you know, I put, obviously put my children before myself for a long time. And, you know, you can't be a good parent if you're not taking care of yourself. If you're not 100%, then how can you give 100% to someone else through some of the things that I had gone through? And we, I was thinking about this earlier when you were asking kind of how, how mindfulness impacts our lives. I was going to counseling and all I felt like I was doing was talking things out and stirring things up. And you, you say the same things and you don't really think about how you feel about that. And the yoga and meditation allowed me to turn that on myself and like put the problem out in front of me. And it was our yoga instructor that says, you know, take, you take a problem, you put it in front of you and you just go, that's interesting and let it sit for a while instead of having to have that reaction right away all the time. So like Robin was saying, being able to slow down, think about things and decide whether it's worth worrying about. And, you know, 90% of the time it's not worth worrying about. Things are going to be what they're going to be. And life is a cycle. It's like she was saying, it's up today. It's down tomorrow. It might be horrible right now, but it will get better. Just accepting the ebb and flow of life. So I think being able to meditate about that, slow down about that and accept those things goes a long way, especially in self. Yeah, I found that to be true with my life too. I just did a 10-day Vipassana meditation in Thailand like a month and a half ago. And one of their core concepts is about impermanence. How even if you have a pleasant feeling, it will go away. Don't attach yourself to, to craving that. And even if you have a terrible feeling, it will pass and, and change and go away. Don't have this like aversion to it so much. Like Just accept and, and look as, as something that's just out there in front of you and it will just move on and pass and as you do that you find deeper and deeper levels of I think peace acceptance with with your reality and it becomes a tool that is very powerful that mental mastery you have nothing static like like you're saying nothing is static nothing positive is static nothing negative is static whatever is going on right now will change and the other big thing that I've learned through all of this is to let go of expectations things are never expect them to be they're never as good as you expect them to be and they're never as bad as you expect them to be so just let it be wow that's cool so robin you say in i pulled a quote from your sweatpants insanity um piece that you wrote about your daughter's depression and how that helped you kind of grow into purpose um you say growth generally occurs alongside these challenging emotions not in place of them the process of growth can be seen as a way to adapt to extremely adverse circumstances and to gain an understanding of both the trauma and its negative psychological impact. Um, and I think you were referencing the Huffington Post article with this. Yes. So how did you come into this understanding, and how did your daughter, daughter's battle with depression help you to grow into your own purpose? How did I come into the understanding of <laughs> Trial by fire. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, there are so many things I wrote about her experience because it was my way of understanding things. I would be up all night. Like I would go to work on a couple hours sleep every day because I was up all night, just couldn't sleep. I would be listening to music. Dave Grohl's these days really helped me, but writing helped me to grow. And by writing about the things that were happening to her, I could kind of think about how I felt about it too. One of the hardest things that we dealt with was how to find her a good doctor and good medication. And we learned that in Indiana, it's there. it was really difficult to find both of those things. And in the entire country, there are 8,000 doctors who deal with uh, children's psychiatric needs. And uh, 
we were lucky enough to find one in Chicago. So that helped a lot, but it was every step of the way it was difficult and we had to figure it all out. It's, there was just no help. It seemed to figure out what was the best medicine, who was the best counselor, what should we be looking for in a counselor? All these things were just, you know, we'd try it, we'd fail, we'd try again. And it was, it was just a long harrowing process. And when we finally got to a good doctor, a good counselor and these meditation aspects of her life that really helped. It was just a relief. And looking back, I saw that all those mistakes led to the solution. You always want it to be a straight line. You're ready immediately to fix something, but unfortunately you have to go through that process, whatever it is. And I don't know that I would want to do it again, but I know that going through it that way was the way that it was going to work. So so what does she do now to cope with the feeling like depression is still there? So what does she do that's that's maybe mindful of her? I think the biggest thing for her is she just understands that it's going to go away and what it feels like, and then it's okay to feel that way. I don't think when she first started having those panic attacks, she knew what was happening. So it was extremely frightening her to her to not be able to breathe, to be in class and feel that way and not be able to get out. So I would say the knowledge of what's happening has helped a lot. She is a big-time uh, meditator. She also uses art to help her calm herself down. She draws a lot. Music is huge in her life, and she's also a great writer. She's um, on the verge of going to college right now, and that's she wants that to be part of her major. So she's talented in that way, and she's able to express her thoughts that way, and I'll find often that when she has something terrible to tell me that she's upset about, she'd rather text it than say it because she just is so much better at writing it than saying it out loud. So, wow, What an awesome turnaround. It's amazing for sure. How much of, of what she's been able to do to, be, to find success impacts what you put into your training for your students? All of it. Uh, <laughs> we're having a, we're having, we're calling it a mental health fair this in May and the three asks, aspects of it that we're really focusing on are, are art, writing, and music because those three things helped her so much and also because the local college, Purdue, has an endorsement that includes those three things in a counseling. Yeah, it's an endorsement in counseling. So they've actually researched and they know those three things work, work and they have different um, you know, things that they do with the kids to help them. So. We all know music helps. I, I personally know that that's the first thing I go to when I need to calm down, relax, be happy. That's where I go. Why is that? Sometimes I feel like music can be a numbing thing. Why, how, does, how does music play a role in mindfulness? For me, it's the lyrics. I, maybe because I like to write. I like to see um, the song and what people are thinking about with their words. You know, the lyrical quality of it, too. Those two things together are really uplifting to me, I guess. Well, I think a, I think a lot of it is the connections. It's that opening up and realizing you're not the only person that feels that way. So when, when there's music that kind of puts your thoughts into something cohesive and you feel a connection, like Robin was saying, uh, the Dave Grohl song, that's that was very powerful for her uh, to have that connection because there was so much in that song that was helping her. And I think... There are, you know, there's music, and I, I was talking to my son about this the other night. There's music that you enjoy because it has a good beat, you know, it's just uplifting or whatever. And then there are things, there are times when you're going through something in your life and you're you're bound to music. You're connected to it, even if it's a really sad song or something like that, because there's something in those lyrics that connects you to uh, not just the music, but the human on the other side of the music that that joint suffering. And I don't know what that is about people, but I feel like all of us learn more through our pain. We connect more with people and build stronger bonds with people. If we have shared pain, um, sometimes I think it's because that's when life gets really real. When things are, you know, really happy, we kind of let things go by. And when we're suffering, that's when we look to other people. And when we see suffering in them, we make those connections. Yes. Yeah. I like that a lot. And so, yeah, Robin, you talked about the lyricism, and I know that you guys do a lot of writing-based activities for your training. So what role does writing play in your personal path of purpose? My personal path? 
I'm constantly writing. I'm writing a book now, right now, about um, what happened with my daughter. I've been writing it for two years, constantly editing it, editing it. I think it's ready to go, but I just have a little bit of fear about sending it out there. Um, I write with the kids at school, and one of the things that we researched was that um, being grateful daily is a really great way to um, make yourself feel better. So we had kids K through five writing what they were grateful for every day. And even if they couldn't write it, they could draw things. So one of our kindergartners would draw every day. And one day he drew a chicken nugget with a little um, <laughs> container of dipping sauce because that was what made him happy at school lunch that day. And it, it was really joyful at the end of our session to watch them look through their grateful journals and see the things they had written. So you know, sometimes our kids, we tell them it's it's time to write and they kind of groan. But when they make it purposeful for themselves and you're able to write what you want to write about or you understand why writing is important, I think it makes a bigger difference in their life. So we're, we're trying to promote writing as a fun thing. I think for me, the writing, uh, I know I think through problem solving, I guess, by, by writing. I have journals that I write in every day. If I need to figure something out for myself, figure out what's going on, I write things down. Uh, I write letters to people all the time that they've never gotten because they're in a notebook. Uh, but it's just my way of kind of working through my emotions. I write poetry. I've written song lyrics. And I think most of my thought process goes through my writing. And I, I agree with Robin that a lot of our kids see in school, see writing as kind of one of those evil things they have to do. Writing was always my favorite subject uh, to learn about as a student and to teach as a teacher. And I think if they can take ownership of what they're writing and it's, it's truly their writing, um, kids get more into it. And I know for me, I don't, I don't want to, I don't write to prompts. I sit down and, and I feel like there's something I need to say to myself or to somebody else. And I, I write that down and that helps me sort of process it. So writing is a huge, huge part of who I am. One difference though, is it seems like you, Robin publicizes her writing more so mm -hmm. and you keep yours more t with yourself. How do you make that decision whether or not it should be shared out in the public or not? I am on the Myers-Briggs scale and ENFJ. So <laughs> I am an extrovert and for me, when I publish it, getting those, that feedback from people, strangers I don't know, saying things like, oh my gosh, I totally agree, or thank you so much for this, it really helped me, that, like, it just fills me up. Like, I need that, and it's a good feeling. So, for me, sharing it is helpful to me, and hopefully other people. Right, and, <laughs> and uh, I'm a huge introvert, so uh, the, the vulnerable vulnerability putting something that personal out that someone might you know judge that kind of that freaks me out so um I guess I kind of hide behind my writing a little bit although I am currently considering uh writing a book based on the letters like I have the title like letters I never meant to send um, but I've got to flush a few things out uh, with it just some some of those important relationships and things that have happened along my life and Going back to that, what I feel is the purpose of my life, and that's, you know, you go through things and you learn things. Um, you, you've got to share those with others because they go through things too. So, If you're looking for a meditation app to start a practice at home, I highly recommend the Calm Meditation app. I've used Calm for over a year now, and it's packed with so many blissful meditations of all styles. They have daily meditations as well as series on topics such as self-love, relationship with others, dealing with anxiety, finding gratitude, and focus-boosting exercises, amongst many others. I love to carve out 10 minutes in my morning to listen to Tamara Levitt's soothing voice as it gently guides me into a massage and fine-tuning of my inner landscape and leads me back into the world with a beautiful image and a quote. And often I find myself coming back to that quote and that image throughout the day. It's kind of like a, a mantra for me. So be sure to check out some of my favorite screenshots of Daily Calm Quotes on our Instagram page at People of Purpose Podcast, and I think you'll get a sense. I know meditation can be a hard thing to start, but with just a little bit of practice, I think you can make it on practice of your own. So again, please download the Calm Meditation app, which you can find in any app store. With that, happy meditating.
So you mentioned vulnerability. Uh, that seems to be a huge theme for me in self-growth as well. How are you getting these students at, at such young ages to be vulnerable? Do you find it's a challenge? Do you find that it's, it's much easier than an adult opening up? How does vulnerability play a role in what you do? Yeah, I agree. I would Both say both are true. We've had, um, I personally have worked with two students who've had panic attacks. And I think it's very interesting that I'm, it's interesting that those two kids have come to me with those things. I, I feel it's the universe allowing me to help finally help someone through a panic attack when I really didn't know what to do for my daughter. And both of those students felt very vulnerable. They felt very uncomfortable in class. They didn't know what was going on. And to be able to, we use, um, at my school, I've used the crocodile pose, which is just laying on your stomach, um, engaging that parasympathetic nervous system. And when they lay in their stomach for a few minutes, they feel better. And the original fear or vulnerability they had coming to somebody to tell them, I feel like I'm going to die. Uh, goes away as soon as they're as soon as that's solved and one girl in particular would come almost every day for about four months and she is much better this year I think she's getting a lot of help and you know a lot of the things that I did for her we were um, scripting we'd send notes to the nurse's office so this was all sent to her counselor so they knew that she needed extra help uh, so she's pretty confident this year. We have a new student who's going through the same thing, and it's kind of starting over with him. His mom had a serious car accident, and his panic attacks are based on worry about his mom, and it comes up out of nowhere. And But now that they know that it's my room is the room where teachers send their kids when the nurse isn't the right spot. And so they know I'm there, and they know that it's a safe place and that it's quiet and there's comfortable seating and that whatever's happening to them is okay. And we're going to work on it. So I think that once you show them that you love them and you care about them, kids yeah. are pretty, kids are pretty quick to win over. Um, the adults are coming slower, but it's kind of like my experience. It got so bad. I needed some help and that's happening to some teachers at our school. So I think they're seeing that, um, you know, these techniques can help them too when they really need Teachers are coming to you also. I didn't know that. Yes, they are. Um, and I don't want to give any examples really, but it's, it's a sometimes desperate situation. Our jobs are very stressful and they're not really, um, we don't have that opinion about us in the community that we wish we had. Sometimes we really want to be held up and, um, supported. And sometimes that doesn't happen and the kids are struggling. And all of those things, we have that compassion fatigue where we're just exhausted from helping others. And uh, sometimes you just have to shut down and help yourself. You never know when that's going to happen. How do you know when that line has been crossed and, and it's time to help yourself? I think you only know it personally. I mean, um, from examples at school, people have gotten really sick mm -hmm. and haven't gotten better quickly. Like, um, weeks and weeks of flu illness, that kind of thing, where you just finally have to say, okay, I give up. I'm going to rest. Well, and I think <laughs> that that's kind of part thing. of it. People don't realize the physical symptoms that come along with being under too much stress. They, they think it's a normal physical sickness. And oftentimes stress is really at the root of it. Like something as simple as a cold or the flu that you just can't shake. Well, that's because you're not emotionally rested. Your body can't heal itself the way that it needs to. And I think sometimes, too, it's the depression. And people know, you you saw our superhero website, you know, some of the things that we talk about at the, at the onset when we give a presentation or whatever. And again, people connect with that. So they know that if you have been through depression or you've been through anxiety and you talk a little bit about it, then then people will come to you. And I think that's probably a lot of what we've been able to do is start the conversations. So that goes back to the vulnerability, too. It's the, the elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about. And by just having the conversation, people realize that we're safe people to come to to have those conversations or to continue those conversations. The kids pick up on that and the adults pick up on that, too. So you can't serve um, one group without serving the other. We have a teacher at our school last year that had so much stress and anxiety from her job that she spent the summer trying to figure out how to fix it. And she and I both came together at the school at the same time trying meditation. She did it with her class every day last year and has continued that this year along with, she does yoga after lunch with them in a mindfulness room that we have. 
And it, you can tell when you walk in her room that there's something different going on. The kids are just more relaxed. They're more focused. They just seem happy. I don't know. I don't know. I can't really put my finger on the, the emotion that's in there, but it just seems peaceful. And she's yeah. just really spent a lot of time making sure that they've gotten the background. She has a fifth grader come in and do the loving kindness meditation every day after lunch. And he feels good about helping. And the kids just, they're third graders. So they really look up to him because he's older and it's, it's a good, it's a good setup. That's awesome. So what do you guys do for your own personal happiness? Do you ever take a trip? Do you ever like completely unplug from this compassion driven lifestyle? <laughs> what do you do for your happiness? I'm planning some trips this summer. Actually, I love to go places and I haven't been in quite a while. So I'm looking forward to kind of leaving town for a while. And I also love my dogs. So when I have to stay in town, <laughs> I have two dogs and we walk and I listen to podcasts like yours and learn things while I'm doing it. So it's it's kind of a, a relaxation slash learning daily that I do. Yeah. And I think... uh I think that's interesting. That speaks, I think, to Robin's extroverted personality that she goes out and goes on trips. And I tend to like go home and close the door and not talk to anybody. <laughs> uh, I read. I I have a couple of dogs that uh, are my you know children replacement because my kids are adults now. So I spend a lot of time with them. I like to you know walk, run, and I think running is kind of a meditation for me. I don't run with other people. I like to put my headphones on and do my thing and kind of think through things. So um, unplugging for me, it looks like that. It's just like kind of going home and closing the doors and, and being, being with myself and not worrying about taking care of anybody else and focusing on just what I want. That's taken a long time in my life to come to a place where, you know, what does Barb want to do? And not considering anybody else in that factor. Uh, I do like to travel. Um, been on a couple of good trips and planning to go experience a couple of things again this summer. But um, I like unplugged downtime, I think, for, for myself. You were just mentioning about a fifth grader leading meditation. I think that's a very interesting aspect of what you guys do. Um, and actually how I got introduced to you was the Catching Z's podcast. And at the end, it was a second grader leading a loving kindness meditation. That was really powerful, I thought. Uh, how, do, how does that happen? She had a good reason to want to do it, too. She wanted to help her sister. So she had asked her teacher, the one I was talking about previously, if she could have a copy of the script so she could read it to her sister at home. Her sister's in high school, having a lot of stress with testing. And so I'd heard that she'd done that, and I asked her if she would mind um, having a radio show where we would tape her. And uh, she was all down for that. So we spread that everywhere. And I would come to school and tell her, they heard you in Australia or they heard you in Chicago. You know, she just loved hearing that she was helping kids in other cities, states, countries, whatever. And she was a really nice girl. And these kids like to help each other. They really, once they learn these things, they think of people that will benefit from them. I know they take it home. We have a group of fifth graders at my school that on their lunch go throughout the school teaching other kids in other classrooms basic yoga poses. And uh, if you're a fifth grader and you're going to a kindergarten, you are getting those kindergartners undivided attention because fifth grade is like it. That's the place to be in a, in a grade school. So they're the perfect teachers. I would like to include that at the end of this podcast. Do you, is that possible? Do you have the file? Um, I have Maddie's. I can find that for you. Well, I think that's an important aspect of what we do, too. I mean, you know, when we, we're not superheroes. The kids are really the superheroes. We are teaching them and empowering them to take control of themselves and to share that with each other. And that's the best thing is when you teach the kids a few things and then you pull them up front to lead the after school yoga group or they're the ones leading the meditations over the intercom system at school in the morning, um, they take it. And we always tell them, you know, go home and show someone at home what you learned today. And they come back and tell you, you know, their mom was really stressed, but they did the loving kindness meditation with her and things got better. And it just builds on itself. And we're not the superheroes in all of this. The kids are really the superheroes because they are the one with the amazing power inside. And we're just helping them tap into that. We're the trainers. Yeah. So how do you make it relatable to people on the outside, like family members and people that are not in your program? Do they think you're doing something very strange and odd, or do they do they get it? 
They have to experience it to get it. I don't think you can tell them in words um, that you can calm down a class by telling them to love each other because it, it does sound kind of out there. But once they sit for three or four minutes and they hear a meditation like that or they go through a simple basic yoga class and they can feel how they felt at the beginning and compare to how they feel at the end, I 99% of the time I would almost say 100, they're sold on the fact that these things will help them if they're open-minded to it. Right. And the schools have been, the schools that we've worked in have been very good about um, giving us audience with not just the teachers and the students, but inviting parents in for after school meetings and letting us talk to the parents about what we do. And whenever we talk to people about what we do, we try to bring that experience part of it into it. So let's, you know, talk about some breathing techniques and let's have you practice. Let's do a meditation. We're going to show you what that's all about and kind of taking the mystery out of, you know, what is yoga? You know, it's, it's not a religion. What is meditation? It's not completely emptying your mind. So there's nothing going on. It's, that's not what it's about. And I think we're also fortunate enough that in the last couple of years, mindfulness has really kind of taken center stage uh, in the mainstream. The scientists are looking at it. People are accepting of it. I was in Walgreens, I think this was last summer, and uh, I sent Robin a picture. There were no less than six magazines that had mindfulness in the title, and they weren't fringy magazines. It was like Newsweek and Time, and you know, it's it's something that everybody's talking about, but no one really gets. And so that's that's kind of our purpose is to make sure that everybody gets it. And it's attainable to everybody. It's not just for um, people who are, you know, way out there and, you know, into hippie things or whatever. It's, it's something that's accessible for everyone. Uh, and it serves everyone and it helps everyone. So what does it look like when your students really get it? What kind of impact is that having on their lives? Well, I can tell you, um, so last year we had Superhero Day at my school where we had trained a bunch of kids to do this in an after-school program. And then um, my administrators, who were amazing, allowed us to basically take over the school that day, go from room to room and teach the kids these things. Uh, it is powerful because there were no adults helping them. None of the adults in the school last year really knew how to do these things. And I wasn't available to be with them, so they were all on their own powerful that they were able to learn that and teach it whenever you can whenever you can teach someone else something that you know that really solidifies your learning in it and uh, I think all of those kids had the experience of feeling that great feeling when you know you've helped somebody and that other person is grateful for what you did it's something that I think our kids need to feel more often they need to be able to feel that they have something to offer just because yeah. they're smaller humans doesn't mean they don't have skills. And I think we're all trying to learn how to be humans, no matter what age, size, whatever. So wow, that's a beautiful thought. So you really do uh, go to their level or bring them up to yours or just see it as like an equal playing field. You're all yeah. learning the art of being a human. Yes. Yeah. We just all come to the same place. I mean, we're all in this experience, right? So we all have something to offer to that experience and we all have things to learn from each other. So who better to teach us what's going on with the kid than the kids. So what does the structure of an after school program look like? Is it week? Is it once a week? Is it an hour? What are you doing during that time? So it was two days a week and it would be it's like an hour, an hour and 15 minutes by the time it was done. And, you know, if you have K through five kids, everything takes a little while. So getting to the location took a while, putting their coats and backpacks away. That took some time, too. But usually around 10 minutes after they'd gotten there, we'd have everybody out on yoga mats. We have them out in um, we called it star pose because we don't use corpse pose with the kids. <laughs> so they'd all be laying flat on their backs. And I, I would do a meditation and it would be loving kindness. It would be maybe um, a five senses meditation. Sometimes. This year in particular, I had a lot of students who were there because of anger or some serious family issues going on. So I would possibly talk about gratefulness or what made you happy today, something to kind of bring them up. We do about 20 minutes of that. Uh, and I do have high school volunteers also. So the high school volunteers would be participating in this as well, showing the kids that, you know, just because I'm in high school doesn't mean this isn't cool. I'm going to do it, too. They really bonded together through that activity. After that, we would go in the room and get some homework done. After homework, we have 
large size Scrabble board. It's like huge um, floor size Scrabble board for some word games. They've done um, those mandala coloring pages. We had a comic book artist come in and teach them how to draw their own superhero. My music teacher actually just got a grant for buckets because she wants them to learn how to do bucket drumming. So we're going to try that out. It's supposedly it's really good for um, teamwork, helping them feel part of a group and just that calming feeling of that rhythm. I don't know. We're just always researching new things to do. Um, those are definitely some things I want to try next year, too. Um, and we also got some ukuleles. So we may be giving that a try. Yeah, so it's just try to a little bit of a mix so that everybody gets an opportunity to to attach to some portion of it. So yoga, meditation, we do a few simple poses with them and we talk about why the poses are important and how they help physically and emotionally. Um, we are very open with them about why meditation and breathing is helpful and how it helps calm you down and what's going on biologically speaking in the body when those things are taking place. And then um, bringing the writing or, you know, like Robin's been bringing some of the music therapies and things like that, allowing kids to write or draw to help them express their emotions. Um, so, and it, I, like I said, I'm at a different school. So we were also twice a week, uh, about an hour and a half. And it was um, at its peak at my school, I had about 60 students and it was K through five. So we were in the gym for most of it. We would come in, pull out the mats, same thing, kind of get down in the in star pose and just work on decompressing from the day. And we talk about that in the meditation, like, you know, you need to take a few minutes um, to kind of let go of everything that's happened today, anything that you've struggled with, anything that stressed you out. It's over now, so you can let it go. And then talk about how they can take that home, too. So at the end of the day, you could do the same thing. You can go in your room and close the door and just kind of decompress and know that whatever has stressed you out today, it's over. And you can be finished with it. So, you know, it's experimentation a little bit because you want to see what each group of students needs, you know, that might be different from the last group of students that you worked with or whatever, and just kind of keep playing with it as you're going along. So what is the feeling that you get when you know that, that what you're doing is working, that when you're living aligned to your purpose and it's spilling over to these students? Can you describe that feeling? I've searched for that feeling my whole life. Uh, I've had so many jobs and every job I was looking for that feeling inside where it was the right place. I wrote a story about that too. There were so many bad wrong turns, but now I know that even though it wasn't a straight line, I was going in the right direction, but that feeling it's, it's, it's such a good feeling to know that you're helping people is something you enjoy and that it's important I, it's, I don't know. I, I can't even tell you because I've had so many jobs where I didn't feel that way. I used to work at an insurance agency and I was calling competitive um, insurance people to see if they wanted a quote. And it was just misery. People were unhappy. They didn't want you to talk to them. It, you know, it, was, it wasn't a way to spend your time that was joyful or purposeful. And so I think that taught me the direction I didn't want to go in. I have a business degree. I tried really hard to make that work and I think it might now be working with a nonprofit because I didn't fit in in the business world. It just wasn't the right place for me. I think it was too um, competitive where I'm hoping that this organization is going to be more inclusive where people can come in and, and help in the best way they know how. It's, it's a happy feeling. Yeah. I was going to say, I think if I have, if you have to put, uh, human words on it it would be peaceful and joyful and loving it just it feels right I don't know it's it's very hard to describe but it's like that it's a very very in your heart like this is good you know not like uh you know macaroni and cheese is good but like deep down this is good it, it's just it's an awesome awesome feeling yeah and everybody's not always happy with it it's not like that it's not nirvana or something but <laughs> But I will say that even though everybody's not always, maybe some people have some disagreements or um, they don't understand what you're doing. It doesn't, it's not a painful thing. Like if you know you're going the right way, it's okay. You're just going to yeah. keep moving on. So what role does optimism and positivity have in keeping people moving on? That's, that's right in my Myers-Briggs personality <laughs> type. I have to be that way or I'm personally can't function. So, um, 
yeah, that optimism. I have to have it. I have to know that there's hope or there's some positive thing that's going to come out of whatever I'm doing. I have to be able to see that. Yeah. And I think that's what we all need. And maybe, you know, that's the crux of it is that at the end of the day, maybe that's what we're teaching because there is hope. There's hope that you can maybe not control the chaos that's going on around you, but you can control your reaction to it. There's hope that nothing ever stays the same, which means tomorrow's bound to be better than today. There's hope that you're going to find your purpose and you're going to find your way. So, um, yeah, positivity, optimism, that's when you can see that light in someone else, especially when you can see that light in a child, it's, it's easy to tap into that. Even if you're not necessarily feeling it, it's easy to look somewhere really close by and kind of get hold of it again. So, you know, and that doesn't always mean that you're, everything's going perfectly. I think that with that positivity and optimism, um, Sometimes things are going to go wrong, but it's okay to say that and then try to figure out a solution. It's when you just want to talk about how bad it is. I can't do that. So you both agree that you'd like the title of this show to be a roomy quote. Yeah. Where there is ruin, there is hope for treasure. Yeah. Why do you think that that's an applicable quote to this episode? Sure, I can go first. Um, I think it goes back to the idea of... Um, learning some of our best lessons through difficult times. I know for me personally, the things that brought me to yoga um, were very, very difficult situations in my life and what yoga has brought into my life. Um, my relationship with Robin, my relationship with these kids, uh, the relationship I've developed with my own children and the people in my life now that didn't exist before. That's, that's my treasure. Um, certainly the things that I went through before in my life, Ruined and broken is exactly how I felt. And I know that there's hope beyond that now. You know, I was listening to what you said when you fell off. You fell off a, um, when you were mountain climbing with your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so I don't know that just, I really thought about that because the, the quote of the song that the Dave Grohl song is, um, one of these days the ground is going to fall out from beneath your feet. That, experience with my daughter was that and even in the midst of it I knew that God was going to bring us out of it and I would just pray every night please don't let it take too long because we're suffering so much <laughs> I knew there was going to be a treasure I had no idea that it would be this I mean at that time I'm not a yoga person I went to a business school I didn't really believe in all that energy um stuff <laughs> But I do now because I think I was able to come to it scientifically and I, and I see the results of it personally too. So that ruin in our life was, you know, what happened to my daughter, but the treasure is definitely that God gives you a way out. Awesome. So if you're looking to bring new people into the fold that are skeptical, that don't believe in that energy stuff, what do you tell them? <laughs> just let me, just let me talk to you for five <laughs> minutes and I'll bring you to my side. That's what we like to say. Come over to our side join the team. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, we just ask people to be open. We don't, you know, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to guarantee you that you're going to believe what I have to say. And you're not going to necessarily feel what I felt because you haven't been through what I've been through, but give it, you know, open your mind, give it a listen. And I think uh, even like when we talk to people, we try to bring in all aspects of it. There's a spiritual side to it. There's a scientific side to it. And I think that we can agree that there's something happening. I mean, obviously there's energy in the body or you wouldn't shock yourself when you touch metal in the middle of winter, right? We've all been shocked like that. There's something going on there. So if you can start there, I think we can all find a, a common agreement that there is, there's something going on. And I think not all of us, but most of us would agree that there's something, uh, something bigger in the mix as well. So. And the Dan Harris book is great for that because he really talks to skeptics. So if you have, if you want to recommend 10% happier to anybody. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes for sure. That's a book I need to read too, but it's been referenced to me several times. And so finally, I want to know what is, what is your idea for how, how we could all access our superhero powers? How could we make a world of superheroes? Everybody's got something within them that is special and unique. Yeah. So you just have to have that confidence to be able to share it with somebody. I think we need to stop looking past each other and look at each other and get to, get to know people. I mean, 
How many times a day do you walk past somebody and not look them in the eye and just say hi? It's just that alone can can change your perspective. If you really want to tap into that, start having relationships with people, with all people. There's There are things to be learned everywhere from anyone like you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being so open-minded about, about this stuff and about listening to anything I have to share. And I will definitely be recommending people to what you have to share. And I think what you guys do is really beautiful and very inspiring. And I hope that my kids one day will be able to to have this sort of um, care in their school, to be able to have a safe space and to open up and to find inner peace and joy and a community that to share that with. It's really awesome what you've created. Hi, my name is Donovan from Hammond, Indiana, and this is the Loving Kindness Meditation. Inhale deep, free stomach up with air. Exhale, bust all that air out. Inhale deep, free stomach up with air. Exhale, bust all that air out. Inhale one more time, free your stomach up with air. Then exhale, pushing all the air out. Now begin breathing at your own natural rate. And then all of you knows putting no effort into it, just a nice relaxing breathing rate. Start using your imagination with every inhale. Imagine that you are bringing in all the positive energy from the earth inside your body with the in-breath. Feel and see it come in with the breath. With every exhale, push all the negative energy that is in your body out with the breath. All the stress, anger, sickness, elements, push it all out with the breath. Just like in life, while you may try to, while you try to meditate, you may have distractions, whether it be a thought or sound. If you do slip out of meditation, it's alright. Acknowledge that thought or sound, but redirect yourself back to the breath, seeing the positive energy come in your body. With the breath, with the in breath, and negative energy leaving your body with the out breath. Next, we invite you to use your imagination to see and feel in every breath that you're pulling in all the healing oxygen from the trees, plants, and bodies of water. Feel it replenishing and energizing your muscles, bones, and organs. With every exhale, push all the carbon dioxide out with your body and feed the trees and plants that gave us oxygen. Feel and see that happening. And once again, just like in life, there may be distractions in meditation. If you do get distracted by a thought or sound, recognize that thought or sound. But redirect yourself back to the breath. Seeing and feeling the stuck, still carbon dioxide come out with the breath. Next, we invite you to think of everybody you love, family or friends, no matter how far away you live. Nope. No matter if they're living or not, because love knows no boundaries, send all those people love with every breath. See and for yourself, sending love to your loved ones for every breath. Now think of anyone bringing stress into your life, whether it's family or friends, or people in your neighborhood. Be the bigger person and send those people love with every breath. And once again, just like in life, there may be distractions in meditation. If you do get distracted by thought or sound, acknowledge that thought or sound, but redirect yourself back to the breath. And see and feel yourself sending love to the, those people that cause you stress with every breath. Start slowly wiggling your fingers, start wiggling your toes, or your gently, or your ankles. Touch each ear to either side of your neck and have a greeting.
Perhaps the most helpful, inspiring, and uplifting thing that you can do is leave your feedback. I would love to hear from you how People of Purpose is impacting your life. It's so energizing to know that someone out there in the world of the internet is listening to this thing we're creating. It's hard to know how the project is doing when there's not an audience in front of you to give immediate feedback. The weekly personal message or the occasional review is the most inspiring part of producing and publishing this show. It's oftentimes the most inspiring part of my week, but we need more. Let me know what's resonating and what could use some improvement. If you have new ideas or a question you'd like to ask me, please don't hesitate. This is one instance in which you can exercise your personal power to shape the show. Consider yourself our freelance consultant. And don't forget, if you want to sign up for the POP newsletter or become a volunteer, please reach out. Email us at peopleofpurposepodcast at gmail.com or leave a direct message through our Facebook or Instagram pages. Thank you for your support and listenership, and here's to becoming 